This is Donald Parham of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to Chargers Unleashed, part of the LA Football Network. Stay Jesus. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake, after a day, I'm here with you from the LA Football Network. They should, of course, be brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, AG1, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein. As I know how jazzed up you are for the <laughs> Thursday night matchup between the Chargers and Raiders tonight, it is time to take a break from 2023, thank God, and look ahead to 2024. Because we, as we started last week, and as we will we'll continue to be doing over these next several weeks, is talking about the 2024 roster construction. This team is going to look vastly different over the next year with financial contracts that are going to be hard decisions to make expectations that there could be a new head coach, a new GM, a lot of things are going to shift around. So Dan and I have been going through this position by position, kind of talk about the overview of what the chargers currently have, what they're going to be without for next year, how they need to reinvest in it. And today we decided to lump two positions together. So we're going to be talking about the tight end and the running back position, both positions are going to look very, very different over the next two years. And this is an interesting, interesting one, considering what free agents are available, who the Chargers are not going to have next year, what the draft priority is going to be. So we're going to try and break it all down. But before we get into everything, obviously, Dan Walkenstein, I know that this subject matter for you as it is me is a hell of a lot better to talk about than the current state of the Los Angeles Chargers. So 2024 can't get here soon enough. Yes, a hell of a lot more constructive, it feels like, than the conversations we can have about week 15, 16, 17, and 18. Uh, which again, if you haven't seen the week 15 uh preview episode, if you will, that drops go to our channel. Very short. (laughs) Let's just say that about how much of that episode was talked about the actual game (laughs) yes but i think what is important about these roster construction breakdowns and today you said it running backs and tight ends is as we go through we can kind of dissect what the problems are with these both roster construction who's on who's off the roster but also how they performed and why it is or is not a problem and a priority and then how to fix that problem and so there's a bunch of stuff in here there's nuance to all of these these two position groups in particular, I'm really excited to talk about because I think that there is a path forward to solve that isn't that complicated, in my opinion. But the problem is still big. And that's where we kind of get to the root of this. So I'm excited about this one. I think this is an important conversation. I know a lot of people are very excited about some draft prospects, especially that guy over at Georgia that everyone's mm. clamoring about for the draft. Mm. So running backs as well. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, Jake, for you, 2023 has seen a lot of failures. And we've seen a lot of position groups that have not lived up to expectations or to the hopes of a lot of Chargers fans and even the team and themselves, to be honest. There's a couple groups. We talked about the cornerback group, and that's ugly. That has not lived up to anything. If we're being honest, the tight end running back group might be the next worse in terms of what they've provided to this team compared to like what their roles are for this team. Yeah. 
So, Jake, like, let's talk about first, like, the problems that have reared their ugly head with these two groups. So, starting with running backs, for example, like, you think about this, right? The Chargers or any running back group, main responsibilities, obviously, got to run the ball. And then you got to protect your quarterback. And hopefully, someone in there can catch it and run with it. <laughs> someone. Those are the three biggest priorities of a running back. Chargers, Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly. Let's put in Isaiah Spiller in there for a while. At least for this conversation, anyways. How many of those three priorities have they been able to do? Run, block, catch. They have failed on all of them, Dan. Really, they have failed on all of them. <laughs> it was amazing to me that even after week one, that essentially teased us after collectively running for over 200 yards against that first week in Miami, that you just take such a nosedive in the way that the Chargers did. Now, here's the weird thing, Dan. It was, you know, obviously after week one, Austin Eckler was out for a few weeks with, with his ankle injury. And then when he came back, you know, the running game obviously was a reflection of what it is today, not good. But even still, you take the aspects of what Austin Eckler brought to this team over the past two years in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And it still took Kellen Moore to week seven, week eight, to figure out that the best way to use Austin Eckler, if he's not getting in between the tackles and not being able to create anything on the ground is maybe to get him in space and throw him the ball. But it took him that long to figure that out, unfortunately. And it feels like it's kind of been a forgotten notion again several weeks down the road. Mm -hmm. Joshua Kelly is a very different running back than Austin Eckler. Just more of a straight line runner, doesn't try to juke, manipulate, you know, utilize to as much patience as Austin Eckler does to wait for a hole to develop. Mm. He's just, you know, let's go. It, just in general, when you couple that with the way that this offensive line has performed, it's just not there. And it, it's it's a really big disappointment from what we expected from Kellen Moore and this group. Obviously, Corey Lindsley has been a much bigger impact to this group than we originally thought that that was going to be because you still have four of your five starters. You wouldn't have mm -hmm. thought it would be this bad, but no, it's quite the opposite. The usage of Isaiah Spiller is still a weird anomaly to me. He was not used last year in Joe Lombardi's system. He just recently got called up and was activated last week against, in, against the uh, Denver Broncos. And... For a guy who, and this, and this goes into the bigger picture of things, let's not forget, Tom Telesco has tried to find a number two running back behind Austin Eckler for essentially the last three years. Larry Roundtree, Joshua Kelly, Isaiah Spiller were all guys that were drafted in consecutive years back to back. Mm -hmm. And you have either not evaluated the talent properly based on what they can do on the field, you haven't utilized the talent properly based on your notion that they just can't get better off the practice field and get onto the 53-man roster for activation day on Sundays. Or maybe you're just not putting enough of a priority 
into into the running back stable. So there's a variety of reasons why this has failed. And I get it. For what Austin Eckler has done for this team statistically, 2021, 2022, those were great. Those were great. He really showed his value for what he could be to this team. But now, given the offseason that he's had, we know that this is going to be his last year with this team. And it is really disappointing to see how he's been utilized more this year than and and to see it just all come tumbling down in in a really bad fashion. It's a very sour way for him to have this be his last year with the team. So let's put some numbers behind how catastrophic this has been for this group. And you'll you'll notice as we go through that there is some blurred lines between what the blame has been for these two groups, tight end and running back. Let's start with the running back for a second, Jake. So roster construction-wise, you look at the running backs guy on the roster right now, Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, the former two are currently not on the roster going into 2024, and I doubt they're going to be. So you're left with Isaiah Spiller and Crickets. This Essentially year, Elijah Dotson, but who knows what that is? Because but let's go. So let's he get hasn't to been it. active since the preseason. Let's wade through the ugly waters here for a bit. Austin Eckler, rushing yards per game under 50, 49.7. Joshua Kelly, rushing yards per game, 29. Isaiah Spiller, rushing yards per game, a whopping 7.7. You want to talk about Elijah Dotson? Very small sample size, obviously. Just, I think it's four attempts. 1.5 yards per attempt. None of those are great. And then you say, okay, well, Austin Eckler is a catching back, you know, scat back, whatever it is. Receiving, he has a whopping 34 yards per game. He has one rushing touchdown to his name. Sorry, one passing, one receiving touchdown to his name and five rushing touchdowns. Six total for a guy who has had 20 year over year. So, again, that's running, okay? We talk about another role. That's also catching, by the way. Another role, blocking. Jake, our friends over at PFF, again, not the Bible, but I went over and just looked at the 2022 season and I categorized stack ranked by pass blocking grades. The worst one, Stone Smart, tight end. Second worst, Isaiah Spiller. Third worst, Joshua Kelly. Fourth worst, Austin Eckler. Tight end, tight end, running back, running back, running back. Three seems worst a- pass-blocking players on the roster. Seems appropriate that we lump these two positions together for this show. Now, the issue has been, for running for the running game, as an example... A lot of people talk about like the offensive line being the issue and has been great. I'm not saying it's been the world beaters. The Corey Lindsley injury and him being out has been huge. But the tight ends blocking for these running backs have been dreadful. God awful. Like really, really bad. And like this isn't small sample sizes here. Like I'm talking like pass blocking. We've got Stone Smart has 55 of them. Joshua Kelly, Austin Eckler, they've got over 100 each. Like These are big for pass blocking. Run blocking grade, like not great either for these tight ends. And so 
they kind of go hand in hand. So the running back situation looks bleak for 2024. Tight end group, if we're going to go to that one for a second, the tight end group, Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, Stone Smart, the guys left on the roster for 2024. Gerald Everett, free agent. So that's not one, unless they bring him back on a cheaper deal. Donald Parham is back. Then what? So you think about like, all right, well, what can this Chargers team do? Like a lot of it is they got to go through the draft or free agents. We've talked about the cap space situation. That's a whole different story, but in short, makes it very hard to go out and sign any notable free agents for either of those. Now the running back free agent list is deep this year. But in my opinion, a lot of the struggles that both groups have had have been because of the blocking up front or blocking aspect. The running backs haven't gotten any help from the tight ends on the edges specifically. Go back and watch some of the runs that have not been great and watch the ends crash in and get tackles. Then tight ends, one, they're not really being a primary focus for the Chargers in the pass game. And blocking-wise, they aren't great. They are not great. And so maybe the question for you, Jake, is not necessarily specific people, but what are what should Chargers fans be looking for? Or what do the Chargers need from these two positions in order to succeed next year? It's the thing that you have neglected for your tight end group over the last several years. This isn't something new that just popped up yesterday or this season. Remind you, this was, you trotted out the exact same tight end group this year that you did last year with Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, Trey McKitty, and Stone Smart. Same four guys that you had last year. You decided to go with the same four guys this year. You did not reinvest in it when you knew going into the draft that you needed a blocking tight end. So you didn't reinvest in it there. You finally picked a familiar face in Steven Anderson, who just got activated for the game tonight, who back when he was with the Chargers, he was their best blocking tight end and was a very versatile player at that. I don't know how much you're going to see of that to show any type of improvement, probably not much as a whole as it relates to the run game in general. But there hasn't been much... Oh, I apologize. I forget about Nick Vanette, who you went out and got by like the middle point of the season, who hasn't really contributed that much either. So there has not been adequate amount of priority placed on this tight end group as it relates to the blocking, but probably for the same reason that you had mentioned it, Dan, because the tight ends that we thought when Gerald Everett came to this roster, with that combination with him and Domino Parham, we just thought, oh my God, this is mismatch central and what you're going to be able to do in the red zone. And in the red zone, this year with Kellen Moore, They've been looked at a lot, which is good. But you'd like to see these guys featured more in between the 20s. And little by little, that's started to happen over the last couple of weeks, specifically more with Gerald <laughs> Everett. But they're just not utilized in the same type of way that the wide receivers are. They're not as high priorities for this team or apparently for this offensive coordinator is either. So because of that, you have now put yourself in this position to where you need a a little bit of both as it relates to going forward to next year. And if you look at, if you if you were just talking about the, the people that the Chargers aren't going to have, Dan, you talk about 
who's going to possibly be available. There actually are some interesting names here. This is before we get to the draft. Hunter Henry is going to be available next year. Now, I have no idea what his cap situation is going to look like. I thought that the contract that he signed with New England was way above the value that, that the Chargers should have paid for him in that circumstance. And he really hasn't been utilized that much in that offense either. That's for a different story because of bad quarterback play. Dalton Schultz going to be available. Uh, you mentioned Gerald Everett, Mike Gesicki. There are some there's some interesting names that are at the top of yeah, that. sure. So if the Chargers are able to reconfigure the cap space with no, everything that they no, have stop, to do with stop, theirs, stop, stop. There's no way. There's no way. No, no. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> simply I'm simply saying you're probably not going to be able to sign the the most high priced one because God knows how much cap space you're going to have before the season even starts. But you'll probably you'll go out and you'll sign a low level free agent. And then you have to you have to spend a majority of your priorities here utilizing the draft stock, aka Brock Bowers. <laughs> so we talked about so we talked about pass blocking, Jake, and how horrendous both groups were. Let's go to run blocking. Again, I've felt that while the offensive line hasn't been stellar. I don't think they've been reasons one, two, or maybe even three that this running game hasn't succeeded or pass blocking hasn't succeeded. I think that's scheme related and coaching, not preparing for overload blitzes, which we've seen that cripple all day long. These are run blocking grades. Jake, ready? For the Chargers, 2023, all season. I'm going to read out some names. All of these are either in the orange or red. <laughs> For run blocking. Okay. The worst one, 31.1 grade for run blocking, Stone Smart. Then you got receivers, receivers, receivers. Next one, Trey McKitty, 39.1 grade. Next one, Donald Parham, 45.3 run blocking grade. Nick Vanette, 45.6 run blocking grade. Let's keep scrolling. Gerald Everett, he's in the orange ish at 52.4. Steven Anderson at a whopping three run blocks, 59.3. Hunter Campmoyer's got one, and his grade is a 65.6. None of them, literally none of them, are even average at run blocking. So I think Gerald Everett is a pretty good weapon as a pass catcher. Same with Donald Parham. We've seen some drop issues, but it's a different story. Like, I think pass catching hasn't really been the issue. And it hasn't really been the thing that has plagued this team. Like, in my opinion, both sides, their ability to protect their teammates has been the Achilles heel all season long. So looking at how to solve this, like what the Chargers have as options, right? Like. Jake, you'll love this discussion. Realistically, this year, this is focused on the draft. You talked about like the tight ends are who are available, free agents. There are some running backs who I think if you had two options of which position would be filled by a free agent, I would guess it's probably running back because there's probably way more running backs that are going to be available. If, would it be smart? I don't know. But if you had an option, that's probably the route I would go. But if that's your biggest problem, if that's your biggest problem, Jake, you're on mute. <laughs> Sorry, I was saying, 
Uh, you still don't know what the contract umbrella is going to sure. be for the running back class next year, anyways. If that's going to improve, still, you know, be its low level value for how these teams are paying him. You really don't know what it's going to look like. So it's Fair. it's just up in the air. Fair. Like there, there are certainly skill sets that you would like to get from both of these positions. Like at running back, in my opinion, this team needs a burner. Like I'm talking like an A chain type, a Gibbs type, yep. whatever. A-Chain was a third-round draft pick, for the record. There are guys who were brought in that were after him who are plenty fast, not high draft capital. If your biggest problems, biggest, have been run blocking and pass protection, so let's just focus on tight end for a second. If your biggest problem has been run blocking and you want a run blocking, pass blocking tight end, in my opinion, that capital should not be spent in round one. That draft capital should not be on Brock, on Brock Bowers. Now, you could argue Brock Bowers, obviously, is way more than just a blocking tight end and can provide a ton more in terms of like a bona fide threat with the ball in his hands. 100%. 100%. That's where that conversation gets a little muddy. But the latter part hasn't been what they're lacking at the tight end position, in my opinion. Like, Donald Parham, Gerald Everett, and Brock Bowers solely on pass-catching abilities. Like, Brock Bowers is probably better, but is he that much better at that specific? No, he's probably way better at blocking, 100%. But I don't know if he moves the needle that much more as just an offensive weapon. Let's let's forecast just for a second here, Dan. There is a situation possible in a universe where you do not have Keenan Allen or Mike Williams next year, specifically because of financial reasons. Yep, glad you brought it up. Yep. Whoever the head coach is going to be, whoever the offensive coordinator is going to be, you look at Brock Bowers, and this guy is it's a generational weapon. He'll it's, make every team look hundred percent correct especially if you can get him on a team that uses his full capabilities and what he can do. Use him in the ways that you see George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, all these guys being utilized because he has the skill set to do that, both in the passing game and the blocking game. But hear, so me, in terms out. But hear, but hear me out real quick on that. I'm going to refute that a bit because we talked about last year how incredible these tight ends were coming out of the draft, right? Talked about like Dalton Kincaid, there's a bunch of them that sure. came out. And realistically, how many teams, quote unquote, utilize these tight ends as their heaviest playmakers? Like you got Travis, you got Travis Kelsey. Dalton Kincaid is not one right now. No. Sam Laporta is probably one. Sam Laporta is probably the one tight end that is being utilized like they feed him. Mm-hmm. How many teams are actually going to do a Travis Kelsey thing? That's my point. It's it's whoever it is that ends up being running this offense. You have to utilize him. It's like, why the hell? It's, it's the same questions that I pose to say, would Zay Flowers be as productive as he is in Baltimore right now if he was on this team? And my question is, I have I have no idea. Because of the fact that we have seen 
how Quentin Johnston has been handled thus far because of the lack of Darius Davis thus far. You, you Everett too. Yeah. Yes, if you draft the player, you need like what? What are you going to say? Oh, I'm I'm going to put you. I'm going to totally make you over into some different type of player. I'm going to make you into Kyle yeah. Pitts. Like player drafted has to equal right. Scheme. It, it, like, it, to it, it, it yes, it does have to you know go hand in hand with this. In terms of what you're talking about as far as a weapon goes, Dan, and yes, the tight end group last year was deeper. I think in terms of the talent that you have for what Brock Bowers does to your tight end two, who is Jatavian Sanders from Texas in this class, it's a it's a deep drop. Now you keep going down the line there. You have you have Ben Sonoff from Kansas State, who, when you're looking for the things that you're looking for, very athletic, can block his ass off. Cole Stover, or excuse me, I'm not Cole Stover, Cade Stover from Ohio State. Not as athletic as Jatavion or Ben, but he can block. So you have your blocking mold tight ends with a little bit of pass catcher with those four, three, and two. But when you get to Brock Bowers, that's the difference maker. That's the full package. So in terms of what he could contribute to this team as a weapon, depending on where the Chargers are picking, like let's just say for sake of argument, if they're picking five or six, maybe maybe that could be considered by some as a little high considering who else might be on the board. I say six through ten. Like let's go to that range. But I I don't I mean Brock Bowers to me is at the top of the wish list as it stands right now. Okay, so what because I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I would love I mean I would never complain if they trade if they drafted Brock Bowers at all. Like I'll take it. That seems like probably the highest floor they can go after. Like there's not much I don't think there's much downside with that pick. But if I'm thinking of like roster construction, big picture, and I'm thinking like salary cap construction, like sure. are you spending that money on a tight end? It's probably, it's, hey, look, it's, it's probably going position? to be either equal to or most likely less than what you would pay for a guy who is probably only good at one trait. So if you're not going to pay the fair, fair, Hunter, fair. If you, like if you're incapable of paying the Hunter Henry's, the Dalton Schultz for the package that you they could draft, you could table, draft one for less money. Yeah, right, you you could draft one for less money. That would probably is going to give you more than a low level tier tight end that's either going to be able to do only one of two things, either pass or block. And you're probably right. not even going to utilize him that much because the skill set doesn't equal to what Brock Bauer says. I think what I think where I struggled, Jake, and I'm being honest, is. Run block, pass block. I think both of those are huge, huge issues on this team. Like those two specifically. If you're looking to solve for those two things specifically, for those positions, you do not do that early in the draft. Because I think I think the biggest team problems, right? Secondary can't tackle. Secondary sure. can't cover. Totally edge good. position. Like we might not have Joey or Khalil Mack, and you're mm-hmm. left with Thule and Chris Rumpf and the guy they brought off earlier in the season. Hey, I said I said it during our last episode that we did this. It's it's corner or it's Brock Bowers. Right. <laughs> but, like, but you said receiver. You might not have Keenan or Mike. Right. So your offensive weapons at receiver are Quentin Johnson, Josh Palmer, Darius Davis. It's ugly. It's so, nasty. So where I why I am 
less hungry for Brock Bowers at round one is because that solves for the like the, that's a running block that's a run pass blocking problem solved sure but is that problem that they're solving for bigger than the problems that they've had at corner maybe at receiver with no one being there at edge if you don't have one like it sounds like the, it sounds like a nice to have not a need to have that early in the draft you can solve for run and pass blocking at tight end and running back later in the draft mm-hmm. period you cannot solve for corners that you need bona fide corners bona fide receivers bona fide edge group early you, you have to get those early here's the beautiful part about what the chargers have now put themselves into the trade down like jake wants to do way more likely to be able to do this. Wouldn't that be the dream if the Chargers ended up with like pick five, they trade back to pick 10, somebody, and Brock Bowers is still on the board. And you Somebody posted that pick? to me earlier. And like, why don't God. they, why, why wouldn't they trade back from like six to like 10, pick up a late round second? I'm like, oh my gosh, Jake's I mean, doing cartwheels in the parking lot. Hey, you know. <laughs> then hell, you get Brock Bowers. Hell has frozen over before in certain situations. I have then seen Then you it. can get Brock Bowers. But to Dan's point, this is the position that the Chargers have put themselves in by fault of their own and no fault of their own because save for quarterback you could pretty much go any direction that you want with your first round pick if you're going to remain in the top 10 for who's going to be available in reality and as it projects right now and i know a lot of things can change between now and april but it's it looks like it's going to be offensive heavy in the in the top 10 now, real quick, Dan, I wanted to shift to running back because you say that same type of thing in terms of, okay, priorities, priorities. Well, it's a little bit easier to navigate that for the running back position because this is not a running back group that has a Bijan Robinson or a Gibbs or anything like that. So there's no first-round running backs that I see in this class. However, when do you prioritize them? I definitely would say at least day two. You do not look at another day three swing and miss as this Chargers team has failed to hit on with Roundtree, Kelly, and Spiller. So I feel real. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Like, who's the, I I genuinely don't know much about these running backs. I just real quick, I went to, I went to PFF real quick just to look at like their, their big board. And they've got Jonathan Brooks, who's Jonathan Brooks, which, which for him, look, on their big board, 60? It's, it, it's, first of all, it's unknown whether or not he would have even declared, but now he tore his ACL. So <laughs> cool. I don't see I don't see a big chance that he declares this year, but if he would have stayed healthy, there's a good chance that he could have gone that high with the production that he was bringing to the table. Blake Corum from Michigan, I really like. The dude has great vision, can navigate through traffic, but 5'8", it's a little bit hard to believe that he's going to be able to withstand that. Plus, he's 23 years old. It's it's a little bit iffy to me. Not saying that he can't be a great back, but I don't think that that's traditionally yeah. what you need behind this team right now. To me, as it stands, and I haven't watched everybody, Dan, but it's Trey Benson for Florida State. He's the one that's jumped off the page to me thus far. Bigger body guy, 6'1", 223. That's a guy who has the type of speed that you're looking for. Um, great agility as a runner. Again, we haven't gone through the full list. This is this is merely just kind of getting into this preliminary draft talk as it stands right now. 
but that would be the one that I would be targeting as it stands today. And we'll obviously get into the full rankings of all of our, our draft positions here over the next several months. But yeah, if, if, if we're talking about just overall priorities, free agency or the draft, I'm looking to the draft for both of these guys. Really. It yeah, makes the most I, sense. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think like the, as you wrap up here, like the, the, there are lots of ways to solve for this, as we've discussed. I think I hope that Chargers fans can start thinking about stack ranking, priority, prioritizing what the biggest problems and needs are on this team. And then where can you fix those in both the draft and free agency? And we're going to have a lot more of those discussions, but think about that as we go forward. Tight end, running back group, both have a lot of issues. And there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that are going to be different next year yes. than this year. And that's a good thing. But the team and hopefully the folks who are scouting focus on the guys and the problems that these guys have had and solve for those problems. So, Jake, anything else you want to say to the great friends before we get out of here? Roster construction opens your eyes a little bit. It's 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 scary to also think about the guys who are not going to be on this team next year because, trust me, when I say again, there's going to be a lot of changes that come with this team, regardless of who is in the front office or not. They're going to be their hand is essentially going to be forced in some of these situations, and some people are not going to be happy about it. But it's good getting a jump on this now, rather than have to having to concentrate on what's taking place in 2023. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, Chargers Raiders tonight. We'll see what happens. We'll see how that changes draft positioning. But until then, flip a coin. Uh, <laughs> until then, for Jake Hefner. Dan Wilkinson, LAFB and Chargers Unleashed. Uh, that's been the talk for running backs and tight ends. We'll be back on this discussion next week with another position, probably wide receiver, maybe edge, but we'll see. Until then, we'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.